Turn with me to Luke, the ninth chapter, and verse 1. Luke 9 and 1 said, Jesus called his twelve disciples together and gave them power and authority over all devils and to cure diseases. Thank you, Lord. Sit out loud, power and authority. Now the word devils, you'll find it frequently in the King James. It's actually the word for demon. There's one devil and many demons. But he said he gave them power and authority over all demons and to cure diseases. So they must have had power and authority over disease too. Said out loud, power and authority over all demons and all disease. Say it again, power and authority over all demons and all disease. Does that sound good to you? Look at the 10th chapter. The 10th chapter of uh, Luke, verse 1, after these things the Lord appointed other 70 also and sent them two and two. And he gave them authority and power just like the 12. So now there's uh, 70 plus 12, that's how many? 82 plus Jesus, that's 83 (laughs) folks that are going around exercising power and authority. Somebody say 82. And how many understand this expanded greatly on the day of Pentecost and is continuing to expand? We'll be talking about this. But in verse 17, the 70 returned again with joy. And they said, Lord, even the devils, again, that's the word for demons. The demons are subject to us through your name. Notice they didn't return scared. Going, ooh, there are demons around. (laughs) There's so much wrong thinking about the devil and demons. Uh, People either hadn't been taught at all from the word about it. And or they've been taught wrong. Or they don't believe in it at all. They don't believe it exists. They're like the Sadducees. The Bible said the Sadducees denied that there was a resurrection or a spirit or an angel. They didn't believe that there is a spirit realm or spirits. And there's a whole lot of Sadducees around today, aren't there? They don't believe that angels exist. They don't believe that demons exist. They don't believe there is a devil. They scoff. They mock at the thought of such things. But you just have to discount the whole Bible to say there are no spirits. Because you see it from Genesis to Revelation. You see God who is spirit, the Holy Spirit, angels who are spirits, the devil, demons. I mean, there are references, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of references to spirits. Aren't there? 
in this book. And to say there are no spirits is to just discount this whole book. Jesus dealt with spirits. Didn't he? Was that just in his imagination? Huh? (laughs) No. And yet, like we said, people wouldn't hear these things, even church people. So many times it bothers them. And there's fear. Here's how you can tell if what you believe about this is right or wrong. If what you're hearing or thinking or believing about the devil and demons scares you, it's wrong. Because God didn't give us the spirit of fear. See, literature and movies have portrayed monsters that are the devil and demons. Giant, red-horned, hoofed, terrible creatures before whom men are just nothing. These are lies. Of course, it's portrayed that way. The devil's helping them write the script. And no way, no how are they going to do a movie from a worldly influence about how the devil is a created being who's fallen and now stripped and brought to nothing and afraid of believers. When are they going to make that movie? <laughs> when are they going to show us a shivering, trembling devil before believers who know who they are. You never saw that one, had you? Because <laughs> that one wouldn't scare you. That one would excite you. And what, what happened to them? They returned. They returned. Frightened. Huh? Upset. No. They've been dealing with demons. <laughs> and they returned. This is truth. This is reality. The other is deception. They returned with joy and they said, Lord, the demons have to do what we say. Us. The 12 and the 70. Right? Right. The demons have to listen to us. They are subject to us. In your name. We tell them to shut up. And they have to shut up. We tell them to quit. And they have to quit. We tell them to leave. And they have to go. And they were so excited. They were pumped. They said. Hey. Lord just like when you tell them. We tell them. And they do it too. They were full of joy. Yeah. Go over this again. If what you think about the devil and demons scares you, troubles you, bothers you, you're thinking wrong. You're believing wrong. You have a, an ungodly literature movie idea. That's not right. The devil ain't what he used to be. <laughs> Jesus. Has stripped him. 
defeated him, brought him to naught. The Bible says, anybody know what naught is? Jethro used to carry the naught. You remember that? On Beverly Hillbillies? See young people looking at me like, what is that? Naught is a zero. The devil is a zero. Since Jesus got through with him. He is no equal opposite to God. He's a created being. Who has fallen. And now has been defeated. You and I. Are not just created beings. We're not just servants. We're sons. Sons. Of God. Mm-mm-mm. Somebody say glory to God. They said, Lord, even the demons are subject to us through thy name. He said, I beheld Satan as lightning fall from heaven. I told you he ain't what he used to be. He said, behold, I give you power. What the head of the church say? I give you power to tread on serpents and scorpions, types of these things. And over all the power of the enemy. And nothing shall by any means hurt you. Should we be afraid? No, we should be rejoicing. Like the 70. That we have been authorized. In Jesus name. And empowered. By the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Turn with me to the book of uh, Ephesians. The fourth chapter. They'll put it up on the screen for us. Ephesians 4.27. What does it say? Ephesians 4.27 says. Neither. Give place. To the devil. What's the understood subject? You. So who's going to do this? Me and you. We're to what? Neither give place to the devil. The Amplified says, leave no room or foothold for the devil. Give no opportunity to him. Now this tells you volumes right here. If the devil was this huge monster before whom humans uh, can't do anything, then he couldn't tell us this. Because we couldn't do anything about it. We'd be helpless. But apparently... We have the authority and the ability to absolutely stop him and give him no place in our life. If this is true, you believe it's true? We're told, he didn't say try to, he said do it. Don't give the devil any place. Say it out loud, give no place to the devil. Give no place. How are you going to do that? You must have some authority. If you didn't have any authority or power, you couldn't do this. Go to 1 Peter. Excuse me. For now, James. This is also in 1 Peter. But go to James 4 and verse 7. James 4 and 7. It says, submit yourselves therefore to God and do what? Resist the devil and what? 
he will flee from you. Now, the first thing you need to do is submit yourself to God. Right? Yield to him. He is all-powerful. He is almighty and amazing. And he's not going to make us do his will. We have to come to him. Who's going to submit us to God? Submit yourself. We must submit ourselves. He's not going to make us do it. But then once we're doing that, once we're saying, God, you are my God. You're Lord over me. I yield to you. I yield to your will. I yield to your plan. I yield to your word. That puts us in position to do the next part of the verse. If we give God his place over us, we're ready to take our place over the devil. Can you see that, friends? When you give God his rightful place over you, then you can take your rightful place over the devil. But if you're yielding to the devil, what are you doing? You're giving him a place over you. Well, if you're yielding to him, does he have to yield to you? No. Which is why we got to do the first thing, give God place. And when we do that, we're in position to resist the devil. And what's going to happen? And he will raise up and growl and scare us silly. Huh? No. <laughs> He'll slam his pitchfork and go boo and we'll run. Huh? Are there Christians all over the place that are scared of the devil? They either don't want to talk about it at all and they want to pretend there is no such thing or they're scared. Scared. But no. Resist the devil and what's going to happen? What's going to happen? He said out loud, we're reading the New Testament. He will flee from you. He'll flee from you. He'll run from you. Listen to other translations. Uh, New Century says, give yourselves completely to God. Stand against the devil and the devil will run from you. Is that true? Stand against him. Resist him. And he'll run. He'll run. James says that the demons believe that God is real and they tremble. Why? When they think about God, it scares them. Guess who's in you? Who is in you? It's no wonder that when we resist the devil in the name of Jesus, we're relying on the Holy Spirit in us. He's got one option. Run. Run. Can you see how twisted the world and much of the church has become to where when people hear about the devil, they tremble. Don't you know the devil's getting some kind of perverted pleasure out of that? Oh, but we're believing for Christians to come out of the dark. And realize who we are and what we are and what we have. And the truth is, when we stand up and resist him in faith, in Jesus' name, 
He doesn't growl. He doesn't raise up. He trembles. He shakes. He runs. He runs. He runs. Are we reading the scripture? He runs. Everybody say he runs. He runs. When I resist him, he runs from me. Say that loud. When I resist him, he runs from me. He runs from me. Amen. Now, one of the things to understand about this is that you don't have to see the devil. You don't have to see an evil spirit to resist it. You don't have to see to know there's an influence, to know that there's something there. The Bible talks about different kinds of spirits and wrong spirits. I'm going to read some of the terms from the scripture. The Bible refers to evil spirits, unclean spirits, lying spirits, spirit of bondage, spirit of fear. We'll look at some other things. But why would it use a word to describe a specific area? Because that is that spirit's nature and that is the influence that spirit's trying to exert. Spirits are real, good or evil. And even though they're unseen, they are exerting influence in the earth to those that will yield to them. Everybody said out loud, unseen, unseen. Influence. influence. Think about this, friends. How can a man like Adolf Hitler influence millions of people into a, an illogical fervor to blindly do the most inhumane things that any halfway thinking person would know this is wrong. How can that be? How can that be? When you, you look at some of the recordings of some of the speeches given by him or some of the other people, they're just a little man, right? In so many ways, messed up and ignorant and everything else, and yet sway nations. How? How? Because there's something else exerting influence. When you see things like this, you understand it is not mere human influence. If it was, every human would be having the same influence or the same scope or degree of influence. And they're certainly not. What's going on? Spirits are influencing. Even though you don't see them, they're influencing. They're bringing feelings and thoughts and suggestions and they're real. 
It's not seen, but it's influence. On the other hand, God is spirit. The Holy Spirit. The spirit of truth. The spirit of life. Come on, can you say amen? Amen. He's influencing, right? How can a, a Billy Graham speak so simply and masses of people be moved that would normally not even go to church and normally wouldn't even listen to a preacher? What's influence? Such a powerful influence that they'd come and get saved by the thousands and thousands that, you know, Hundreds of thousands of people would show up in our times in open air meetings in Africa and other places. Why would all these people come together? Why? What's drawing them? There's an influence. A spirit influence. An influence for good. Just like there can be evil influence. There is evil influence. There's good influence. And it's up to us what we yield to. Whatever spirit or spirits you yield to, you will take on their characteristics. You will exhibit their characteristics. If a person is yielding to an unclean spirit, what will happen? They'll begin to exhibit those characteristics. If a person's yielding to a lying spirit, lying, deception. Can you see this? Look with me in uh, Luke, the 11th chapter. Are you afraid of the devil? I want you to say, absolutely not. Absolutely not. When you hear about demons, does it make you go, ooh? No, because they're the ones who shiver. We got scripture that says they tremble. We don't tremble. They tremble. (laughs) It's shaking some things up right now. Just you and I talking about this. (laughs) Oh, the devil did not want you to know this or hear this because you just become too much to handle for him. You instead of yielding to him and letting him build a nest in your house, you will go mess up his work in other places. Because you're not afraid. Now, the Bible talks about discerning of spirits in 1 Corinthians 12. And you'll see examples of prophets who are seers and others that would see a spirit. See an angel, see a demon, see these things. But that doesn't mean that everybody's going to see these things. And you could go your whole life and not see an angel or not see a demon. It wouldn't mean you're unspiritual or something's wrong with you. You just didn't need to. Right? But you still need to resist wrong influences. Don't you? And you need to yield to the right ones. Two of the most important things you could ever learn is what to yield to and what to resist. A lot of folks are yielding to things they ought to be resisting. And resisting things they ought to be yielding to. Aren't they? They got it mixed up. They're yielding to disease and poverty. Thinking maybe it's the will of God some way. And they're resisting speaking in tongues and gifts of the spirit. The word of prosperity and all these things. 
Religion, you know, well, we, we'll see about it as we look at these scriptures. But among other things, the Lord warned us that in the last days there would be seducing spirits that would preach, uh, influence people to preach doctrines of devils. People are preaching things that are influenced by the enemy. And you can tell that it's him because it'll put you in fear. It'll rob you of your faith and your joy and your peace. There are a lot of church going people that they are just a drag to be around. Aren't they? They're just so bitter and judgmental. They're having no fun at all. And they think it's right. And don't realize that the devil himself quotes scriptures. Doesn't he? He quotes scriptures. But I don't understand. It's a wrong spirit. You don't want to yield to that. In Luke 11, are you there? What happens when you yield to a spirit's influence? You take on those characteristics. You become like that. In Luke 11 and 14, notice this. Luke 11, 14, Jesus was casting out a devil. Again, that's the word for demon. And it was dumb. What was dumb? Dumb like can't talk. What was dumb and couldn't talk? The demon. And it came to pass when the demon was gone out, the dumb spoke. And the people wondered. Here a spirit which is dumb is causing somebody to be dumb. And I'm sure if they had been examined, there were physical issues that were preventing the person from speaking, but there was something else behind the physical. And when the spiritual was removed, the physical was okay. Wonder how many other times that's been the case. The spirit was dumb. And when it was cast out, The person who was dumb spoke. They could speak. When that influence was removed, they were free. We don't just see this one time. How many have read the gospel accounts? Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Is this numerous times? Where Jesus cast out spirits with his word. Didn't he? He commanded them to leave. And when they did, people were free. People were free. The Bible refers to the madman of Gadara. You remember reading about him? He lived out in the graveyard. The Bible said he had an unclean spirit. So he lives out there in the filth of decay. And the Bible said he cut himself. You ever heard of people cutting themselves? Why would a person cut themselves? Doesn't make sense. I said it doesn't make sense. Why would you take a razor blade and cut yourself? Why? Something's influencing. And any child of God has the power and authority in them to resist that. And have it run away from them. But if you yield to those thoughts and those feelings, why would a person start cutting themselves? Influences. Not seen, 
but real. Thoughts, feelings, suggestions. Maybe they didn't do it the first week or two or the first month or two, but they keep feeling so depressed and they keep thinking about things that are negative about their self or uh, they don't even know why. It, it doesn't have to be reasonable. This thought just keeps coming to them. Cut yourself. Cut yourself. Cut yourself. It's a ridiculous thought. Why would I want to cut myself? But it's real. Are y'all with me, friends? And the same thing kind of happens area after area. You know, flirt with that man's wife. Steal that money. You know, do this thing. Tell this lie. And it just keeps coming, just keeps coming, just keeps coming. And and people, they they don't even acknowledge that there are any spiritual influences. So they they say, well, that's me. That's all originating in me. No, it's not. These influences are coming from other beings. And the good news is, you can put your foot down. (laughs) You can say, no, in the name of Jesus, no. Shut up. Get out of here. I'm not cutting myself today. I'm not stealing the money. I'm not telling the lie. Get out of here in Jesus' name. You don't have to see the devil. You don't have to see a spirit to know the influence is of the devil. It's depressing. It's defeating. It's deceptive. It's leading to loss and stealing and killing and destroying and those things. You don't have to wait till you see something. You know that's the enemy. And just like you don't have to wait till you see an angel or you see the Holy Spirit to know his influence. (laughs) His good influence. His peace. His love. His joy. His life. And you can feel lousy and the Spirit of God start moving on you with his peace and joy. Well, it's time to yield to him. Don't resist him. Yield to him. Start saying praise the Lord even though you feel like crying and feeling sorry for yourself. Start yielding to him. Give place to him. And strength will come into you. Can you say amen? Everybody say unseen. Influences. Jesus talked more about this. They accused him in verse 15 of casting out demons through Beelzebub, chief of the demons. And they're actually blaspheming the Holy Spirit when they said that because he was doing it by the Holy Spirit. And they're calling the Holy Spirit the devil, an evil spirit. And uh, he said... uh, Every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation. If Satan's divided against himself, how shall his kingdom stand? Because you say, I cast out demons through Beelzebub. And if I by Beelzebub do it, by whom do your sons do it? Verse 20, I want you to notice this. But if I, with the finger of God, cast out demons, no doubt the kingdom of God is come upon you. He said, I'm not doing this by Beelzebub. I'm not doing this by the devil. The devil's not casting himself out. He's not destroying himself. He's not messing up his own work and business. He said, I'm doing it by the finger of God. If you study the scripture, the Bible refers to the arm of God. The Bible refers to the hand of God. 
This is neither one of those. This is finger. Which gives you a lot of revelation about just how bad the devil is. <laughs> it does. It didn't require the arm of God. It didn't require the hand of God. It just requires. <laughs> this is the truth. This is the truth. You know what required the arm of God? What would require so much power that it would take the arm of God to do it? When God raised Jesus from the dead, that's when he pushed his sleeve. (laughs) Come on, are y'all listening to me? That's when he exercised his might. Why? Ephesians talks about this because when he raised Jesus from the dead, He raised all of us from the dead, free from sin forever. That took the exceeding greatness of the power of God. (laughs) And the Bible talks about the hand of the Lord coming on a man of God, coming on a woman of God, coming on a prophet, coming on a situation, coming on a group or a, a church or a nation the hand of God but when it comes to these demons no we don't need the arm of God nor the hand of God it's like Jesus said shut up and come out and the Holy Spirit went finger 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 that's the truth I with the finger of God cast out demons, then no doubt the kingdom of God is come to you. Oh, hallelujah. No wonder the 70 came back with joy. Huh? Rejoicing. Said, Lord, even these demons listen to us like they do you. They're subject to us in your name. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. Go to Luke 13. You're so close by. Are there spiritual influences? They're everywhere. They're all around. Nothing for us to be scared of. We just need to know what to resist. And what to yield to. Not resist the Lord. And not yield to the enemy. Submit ourselves to God. Yield to him. Resist the devil. What happens then? What happens then? He runs from. Say it out loud. He runs from me. See that's quoting the verse isn't it? Resist the devil and he will flee from you. When I resist him. He runs from me. Somebody needs to say that another time or two. When I resist him. He runs from me. Say it out loud. When I resist him. He runs from me. Again. When I resist him he runs he runs from me he runs from me now that's talking about you resisting him for you you can't necessarily resist him for other people you don't have authority over other people you got authority over the devil and demons and if somebody wants to yield to something They can if they want to. Did you hear me? And you can't take authority over it. 
contrary to what they want to do. Now, if it affects you, then you have authority as far as it affects you. But you can't just straighten out their life for them, irrespective of what they want to do. But when it comes to you, things that are influencing you and affecting you, you absolutely can resist the enemy in every area, and he has to run from you. We'll talk more about that as we go, I think. But uh, Luke 13 and 11, Luke 13 and 11 gives another example. There was a woman which had what? A spirit of what? Infirmity means weakness. Literally means weakness, and it could be caused by any number of things. But what kind of spirit is this? Spirit of weakness. Well, if you yielded to it, what would be the result? You'd be weak. Dumb spirit, the person was dumb. Unclean spirit, the person was unclean. Lying spirit, the person's lying. Whatever spirit you yield to, you begin to exhibit their traits and characteristics. And she's this way for how long? 18 years. Bowed together and could in no wise lift up herself. She doesn't have the strength and ability to raise herself up. She's in a weakened, perhaps deformed condition. And I'm sure if you'd have taken x-rays and done tests, you could have found some things that were causing it or why it would be this way. But according to the word, there was something else behind it. There was something behind the physical causing this. And what happened in verse uh, 12? Jesus saw her. He called her to him. He said, come here. And he said, woman, you are loosed. (laughs) You're loosed from your weakness. Verse 12, 13. And he laid his hands on her. And immediately she was made straight. She straightened right up after 18 years, after nearly two decades of being bent over and couldn't straighten up. Don't you know that got old for 18 years? She was made straight and glorified God. Nothing was said about her glorifying God those 18 years she was bent over and couldn't straighten up. But the moment she straightens up, she's glorifying God. Keep reading. The rulers got upset. They ought to have been happy the woman set free, shouldn't they? Keep reading. You hypocrite, he said to them. You loose your ox. You loose your donkey. You lead them when they need water. Verse 16. And ought not this woman being a daughter of Abraham whom Satan has bound? Who did Jesus say had her bound up? Now I'm sure, like I said, if you examined her, you could have come up with the disease, the name of the disease, the name of the problem, why it is. But Jesus said the devil. Now a lot of people hear that and they go, oh, that's just superstitious and the devil. We're a people of science today. We're educated. You don't believe in all this superstition. Well, then you don't believe the Bible. You have to discount the Bible. To say these things are not so. He said Satan has bound her. These 18 years. And she ought to be loosed. And that's why I loosed her. Right? (laughs) 
He said, if a tied up donkey or ox ought to be loosed when they're thirsty, the daughter of Abraham ought to be loosed from satanic bondage. Acts 10.38, just put it up on the screen for us. Acts 10.38, what does it say? Anybody remember? God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and power. He went about doing what? Doing good and healing who? All that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. Here we're told all the people that got healed in Jesus' ministry... You could say this about them. They were satanically oppressed. Now people go off the deep end and and they yell and they scream and and they're scared and they say all kind of things. No, no. As a believer, we just need to learn to resist the influence. Resist the influence. Speak against it. Don't yield to it. Right? Resist the devil. What will happen? What will happen? He'll flee from you. He will run from you. You were going to another scripture, weren't you? You didn't know about it? Hmm? Yeah, you were. Uh, John 13. John 13 and 1 says, Before the feast of Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour was come, that he should depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own, which are in the world, He loved them to the end. Verse 2. And supper being ended. The devil having now put into the heart of Judas Iscariot. Simon's son. To betray him. Was Judas influenced? By who? By not just a demon. By the devil himself. Right? He was influenced. How did this happen? Some have tried to say, well, somebody had to betray Jesus and it was written in the Psalms. And so Judas, he really had no choice. And some have tried to portray Jesus and Judas kind of having this wink, nod, understanding, uh, you know, yeah, you go betray me. I know you got to. I know you got no choice. You're really doing me a favor. Uh, No. No. The Bible said Judas transgressed. No. And, you know, Jesus said it's better for that man if he'd never been born. This is very, very serious. Judas did not have to do this. Nobody ever had to yield to the devil. Nobody ever had to. It's a choice. But you know what happened with him if you read your chapter and how that he betrayed Jesus. He sold him out for 30 pieces of silver and he took those 30 pieces of silver, went and bought a piece of land and later hung himself out there in his remorse and regret. How did that happen? He's with Jesus. Handpicked by Jesus to be one of the twelve. He's trusted by Jesus. He's the treasurer. He carries the money bags and distributes. Jesus trusted him and treated him as a friend. How can this happen? 
You can't say he didn't have the right influences around him. <laughs> He's hanging with Jesus and the, tw- the other of the twelve. John and Peter and all them guys. He's out on the road. He's hearing some of the best messages. Not some of The best messages that have ever been preached and taught. He's seeing miracles and healings and people raised from the dead. He's seeing the most astounding things right in front of his eyes. And in the middle of that, he gets sour. And he gets bitter. And he gets hungry for money. He wanted that money. He went to them. He went to the the leaders of the Jews and asked them, how much money will you give me? He went to them. Why? Because something kept nagging him. They don't appreciate you. They don't appreciate all the work you do. You don't get paid enough. You have to think about your future. You need a place for you and your family. You need this, you need that. Why don't Jesus stand up to them? Why doesn't he do this? Why are we out here on the road again? If he got all this power, if he's a son of God, why don't he take this place over? Why not this? Why not that? And it went on and on and on until finally sitting there at the Last Supper, as we call it, this is going over in Judas. He's sitting there. He's smiling on the outside. But this is in him. And finally when Jesus reached over. And personally is feeding him. And this is in his heart. The Bible said Satan entered into him. And he went out and betrayed him. Sold him for a handful of money. Is it possible that even good Christians. Even good people can yield to wrong thoughts and wrong feelings and wrong influences. I'm going to give you some of the best advice that you ever heard to protect you from this kind of thing. Never, ever, 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 never, ever, for any reason, for any cause, anywhere, anytime, with anybody, never, never, ever, never, Feel sorry for yourself. It is one of the biggest ways the enemy gets a hook in you. And starts feeding you this junk. They don't appreciate me. They don't value my gift. They're not giving me place. They're not giving me room. They don't appreciate what I've done. Who said they had to? Do it as unto the Lord. They don't pay me enough for this. Who said they had to? The Lord's your source. Right? They treat me like I don't exist. It can be a test of your humility. Practice. You used to use it to practice on. Just step back into the shadows and go, I don't care if they see me. Does not matter at all. And your flesh will go, yes it does. You say, shut up. Shut up. It does not matter. They don't need to see you. They don't even know about you. Shut up. Because friend... This feel sorry for yourself? I'm telling you, it is opening the door and inviting the enemy in to influence you with evil. 
Say it out loud. Never. Never. Ever. Ever. ever, ever feel sorry. For yourself. There is no acceptable reason. None. Don't care how bad it is. It's never justifiable to do that. The devil put that in his heart. He influenced him. And when he did, he betrayed the Lord. Could he have resisted it? He could have. And what if he had resisted the devil? Help me out. He would have fled from him. He would have ran from him. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.